You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This is the Reds Hot Stove League. The Reds are on the radio. Reds Hot Stove League is brought to you by Holy Grail Banks, proud sponsors of the Reds Hot Stove League, Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine, JTM, let's create great dishes together, MSA Architects, and by Document Destruction, the official document shredding vendor of the Reds. The Reds Hot Stove League is also brought to you by CBTS, a Cincinnati Bell Company, technology solutions for business. Your Tri-State Chevy dealers, check out Chevy's award-winning lineup only at your Tri-State Chevy dealer. The Healthcare Management Group. Greater care for greater Cincinnati. Woody Sander Ford. I-75 at Mitchell Avenue, right in the middle of everywhere. Now, the Reds Hot Stove League on News Radio 700 WLW, the home of the Reds. Hi again, everybody. Back at Goodyear Ballpark, where the Reds and the Angels have played baseball on this Tuesday afternoon. And the Angels walk off the field a winner by a final score of 9-1, to a day in which uh, the Reds had a one nothing lead until... Uh, a combination of inability to throw strikes by right-hander Evan Mitchell and the Reds' uh, rather poor defense, limiting, uh, meaning that five runs were scored in the seventh, all five unearned, and then the Angels simply added to it a three-run eighth inning off of Tony Cingrani and a, a Eric Young Jr. solo home run off of uh, uh, Lewis Coleman in the ninth inning to round out the Angels scoring. The only run the Reds scored came in the fourth inning on the third homer of the spring, by uh, Ryan Rayburn, who is trying to make this ball club and provide the team with something they did not have last year, and that's power off the bench. And while he's not hit for much of an average, he's hit for three home runs. Jeff Brantley again is with us for uh, the next uh, almost an hour on this Red Hot Stove League program. And I guess the thing you take away from this game today is what we saw from uh, Cody Reed. Yeah, you and I talked about this as we began the ball game, and, and it's been a one of those issues that, it's kind of crept up on, on Cody Reed, and, and the more times you have difficulty in the first inning, people start to worry about it a little bit. Is this something that's yeah. going to follow you throughout your career? Is it something that is a nervous issue or anxiety, or is it just not being loose enough? Is it not being sharp enough? Is it concentration? And you and, and, and I said before the ball game, it's an important start, but it's even more important to go out and establish yourself and put a zero on the board in the first inning not just for you but for your ball club and Cody came out threw the ball awfully well in the first inning and then he followed it up with four and two-thirds innings after that of of really well-pitched baseball I thought he was around the plate a lot I thought there were a lot of times that he threw change-ups and breaking balls maybe in positions that he would not do that normally in the season so so there's still some some working on pitches and and those pitch sequences and those types of things, but I thought his I thought his demeanor on the mound, I thought his location, and most importantly, results were about as good as they can get. Now, now <clears throat> break down what you saw from Cody Reed last year when he came up, and and essentially it was a disaster. And what you're seeing now that would give us and give Reds fans uh, an optimistic viewpoint on what we could see during the season from Cody Reed. What I like to see from younger pitchers is when things start to go south, when 
a play is not made on the infield or in the outfield from your defense or, or maybe when your location is a little little bit off and the other team begins to rally, how you handle that? Do you handle it by rearing back and trying to throw the ball as hard as you can and throwing your best breaking ball on every pitch? That's the Cody Reed we saw last year. It seemed like every time the trouble started to brew, he tried to get harder and throw harder and and do too much. And, and I think that got him into trouble because that, in my mind, is a thrower mentality. What we're starting to see now is a pitcher mentality, which means that you get in trouble, you stay within your game plan, you change speeds, you induce weak contact instead of trying to make the hitter miss every pitch that you throw, and ultimately it shortens your pitch count, you get outs quickly, all of a sudden you're back in the dugout, and you still have your physical strength about you when you go back out for the next inning. 749-7000, Dial us up, and uh, we'll chat Reds baseball for the next uh, hour or so. Um, as we talk on this Tuesday, March 21st, is he among your five-man rotation when the season begins a week from Monday? I'm a definite yes. Let's go to the phones. Columbus, Steve, you have the distinct honor of being not only do we hope our first caller, but not our last one. Go ahead. Hey, thanks for taking my call, gentlemen. You do a great job. Thank you. Uh, just real quick, my favorite number is 13, thanks to Mr. David Concepcion. I sure wish they'd put him in the Hall of Fame. So do I. Yeah. Anyway, um, our family really enjoys Bronson Arroyo, and you've probably covered this, but do you happen to know when he began using his rather unique leg kick? Oh, wow, that, that's a good question. I tell you what, my recollection of him when he came up with the Pittsburgh Pirates, and I think he had it then. Okay. I'm almost positive when he first joined the Pirates early in this century. Uh, I'm almost positive he had that big leg kick when he came out of their minor league system. The the one with the Pirates was not as high as what we see now, but I think it's a a timing and a balance issue for Bronson, and it has worked – to a great advantage for that right-hander for a long time. Absolutely. He does a great job. Hey, well, thanks, guys, and uh, take care of the U, uh, the new UC head football coach, Luke Chickle. you got a good man there. He's going to do a fine job. There's no Absolutely. question about that. Thanks, Steve. All right. Thanks again, guys. Take care. All right, pal. Now, he brought up uh, Bronson Arroyo, and, and, and uh, we talked during the course of the broadcast today. There's uh, Seemingly, there's a very good chance that uh, he will not be ready to open the season only because – he has not accumulated enough innings uh, to be able to go out and if, in fact, he is in the rotation. And more and more and more, it would appear that once he's ready to go, he's going to be a starter and not a relief pitcher. Yeah, I think as long as you protect the health of Bronson Arroyo, then then you're fine. And granted, it, at Bronson's age and some of the surgeries that he's had over the last couple of years, I just don't know that it benefits the Reds to try to push the envelope with Bronson, especially with some of the younger pitchers riding some momentum here in spring training, and and, and if you get a if you get a guy like Romano or or Stevenson or or Amir Garrett throwing the ball the way we saw Cody Reed today, I think it's I think it's right to ride that momentum of the kids as they head into the season. Let them experience opening day, 
give Bronson a chance, whether it's two or three more starts, whether it's in Pensacola, whether it's here in Arizona where it's really warm, to just get to be Bronson Arroyo and get back to 100% or 110% instead of asking Bronson to go out and, and having length in his arm that might only be four innings, he gets in trouble in the second, and all of a sudden he's having to go all to the wall just to make it through a three-inning stint. And you don't want that for Arroyo. You want him to be your guy that can go out and give you five or six innings each time out, but most importantly, being a voice of reason and pitching in that young locker room. You know, it, it was interesting. Uh, Brian Price and I talked about this last week. As far as Bronson is concerned, he said, you know, in his case, and it probably would hold true with a lot of other guys trying to come back from what he's come back from, he said we're more important with how he feels right after he comes out of a game and how he feels the next morning. And so far, everything has been great as far as no physical problems are concerned. And I think that that's the same thing that you want to monitor and give him the time to recover and let his body get used to that five-day rotation. You're going out, instead of pitching two innings, a week from now he may be pitching four or five innings. And you want to make sure that the recovery is there. You don't want to ask Bronson to go back out because we, you and I both know Bronson. He's going to take the ball every time he can take the ball. And you don't want him to go out and pitch on, on less than uh, 100% on that fifth day. You just want to give him some time for his body to get accustomed to the rigors and just the way that that five-day rotation works. You're listening to the Reds Hot Stove League, 749-7000 is our local number, and our toll-free number is 1-800-843-2441. We've got Mark and Dave and Jake and Chris and Perry all standing by, and we'll get to them with the Hot Stove League continuing from Goodyear Ballpark. Just a week and a day before the Reds break camp and head to Cincinnati, and we'll be back with more in just a moment. Your opening day dealers are giving away a Tundra double cab at Reds opening day. Register for your chance to win two tickets to the game with a chance to win the built-in-the-USA Tundra. Now through March 24th, only at your six Cincinnati and Northern Kentucky Toyota dealers. I'm Marty Brenneman. He's Jeff Brantley. And we've got a whole host of folks standing by and waiting. We'll get to them in a moment. But uh, first we go to the telephone and to from his home in Wilson, North Carolina, it's been a while since we heard from the old coach. Coach, what the heck is going down? How you doing? It's good to be on the hot oven league with my man, Marty Brennahan. You doing all right, coach? I'm doing good, although I'm on the, I'm in the cars. Can you hear me okay? I'm on yeah, the I'm, I'm in, are you with by my yourself? brother Johnny. No, I'm with you? my brother Johnny. We're driving out to Firestone, Arizona. Where? Firestone, Arizona. Good, oh, good, yeah, I good got year, you. coach. Friend. Yeah, good year, Coach. Good year. Well, not see the last week of spring. Who you got in there, uh, Jeff Bartney? Yes, we do. Yes, yes, I do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, any observations you've made about this ball club? I'm sure you've been listening avidly since we began way back oh. in that first broadcast against the Giants. Listen to every moment I can, and I soak up, uh, you know, on my Google machine on the Internet so follow them boys that write about them, uh, G. Brent Rosenpants and Blake Sheldon. Yeah, well, I follow them. them. You read them in the uh, in the on the internet, I would imagine. Yeah, Wilson on the Google machine. Yeah. Hey, I got a question for you. You know, I'm all about pitching and defense, but and I love me some Zach Mozart. But do you foresee Josie Perez and uh, Dilbert Barra being the double play combination going forward? Who? 
Uh, Joe Peraza and Dilbert Herrera. Well, yeah, I think sometime down the road they probably will uh, be the guys that will man the second-base shortstop situation. But, you know, Zach Cozart's still here, and he's still a very productive player, and we anticipate that being the case for a while, you know. Do you think Oreo has a shot? Who? Bronson Oreo. Good to see him back. Oh, yeah, I think I think Bronson does. We talked about him a moment ago. Weren't you listening, or you and Johnny were talking? Yeah, we're in the car here talking. I see. Where are you right now? If you're driving out here, are you out of the state of Carolina or? Oh yeah, we're in Texas right now. Oh, you are. Amarillo. Yeah. Yeah, we just passed Amarillo. Jeff Jeff knows all about it. Amarillo is. I I would not spend the night there, Coach. It's quite the odour, if you know what I mean. A lot of cattle in that town. Well, I have no doubt about it, but we're on the way to see some baseball last week there at spring training. Well, you better get hey, out uh, and get out here yeah. fast. It's a good week to be oh, here. Oh, no question. Hey, uh, one last question. Uh, I, I follow the minor leagues as well. Uh, what do you think of this Ismaili Gillen? And is he uh, any relation to Pete Gillen? Yeah, that would be Ismail Gillen. That's who you're talking about. No, he would not oh. be uh, a relative at all of the former – uh, Xavier and University of Virginia coach, no, not Pete Gillen. All right, boys. Thank you, Coach. Great being on the hot oven league. I appreciate it, and I will see you out there Firestone. Well, listen, yell at us when you get here. I will do that. I tell Johnny we said hello. I will. John and Martin Brunahan says hello. Hey, hey and uh, give my best to Tom. I will. I'll do that when I see him tonight. Thanks, Coach, for calling. Thanks, Coach. All right, let's go to the cell phone now. And, Mark, thanks for waiting. You're on the Red Sox oven league. He is, I figured that. How about Cincinnati and Dave? Dave, are you there? Yeah. Hey, thanks for taking my call, guys. Can you hear me? Sure, David. How you doing, Dave? Good, thanks. I just had a couple questions, and I'll hang up and listen. I was wondering uh, what you think the chances for rookie Davis is of making the starting rotation. And then also – I hadn't heard anything about John Moscott in a long time. I was wondering what was going on with him. But thanks for taking my call. I'll hang up and listen. All right, David. Thanks very much for your call. Well, David, in in Moscott's situation, he's still hurt, still rehabbing, still trying to to make his way back into starting a a throwing program. So it's going to be a while before Moscott is able to to pitch at at any level. Uh, As far as rookie Davis, uh, I I think everyone, uh, I'm included, uh, here in spring training has been very impressed not only in, in how he's handled himself, but the, the fact that his velocity has gotten better seemingly every time that he's been out there. Now, when you when you look at rookie Davis and the fact that he pitched in, in double A last year, you're, you're still you're still asking him to make a huge jump, uh, a really big body guy. I mean, he and Sal Romano, you, you look at their bodies and immediately you think, uh, starting pitcher and a guy that could really give you a lot of innings uh as far as development goes i don't know that that rookie davis is is above a guy like amir garrett or stevenson or or even romano uh for that matter or cody reed who pitched awfully well here today but i I would not uh be surprised at all if, if we saw the name rookie davis sometime this year in in the starting rotation or getting some some starts sometime here in 2017 he's thrown that well in spring training 
Thanks for your call, David. Let's go to Liberty, Indiana. And, Jake, you're on the Reds Hot Stove League. Hey, guys. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Good to hear from you, Jake. Okay. Hey, I just got a couple of real quick questions. Um, I haven't been able to listen, uh, well, actually hardly at all this spring, but I caught the last two innings of this, this game today. Um, this is probably an elementary question, but I'm wondering about the catcher situation. And I think Marty mentioned something about Tucker Barnhart might be on the rotation. Well, now, Tucker so, Barnhart's a lock. I mean, uh, you know, okay. based on the year he had last year, there's no question about Tucker Barnhart. Okay. That, I guess I misunderstood what you said. I was confused. And then, no, basically what we talked about, Jake, is the fact that uh, Brian Price kind of intimated, I think, yesterday that there was a chance that Devin Mazzarocco would not be ready to open the season. And then the question comes up, uh, behind Tucker Barnhart, who would then be the catcher? That, gotcha. that's, that's the way we just – no, Tucker Barnhart's a mortal lock based on the year he had with this club last year. There's no question about his uh, being on this ball club. And if Devin's not ready to play – uh, he'll be the guy who will be behind the plate pretty much every day with a break every now and then until De- right. Devin gets back up here. Right. Okay. Hey, w- just one last thing, Marty. Do you think it's possible that we'll hear you call another playoff game? I know that's a good question. I sure <laughs> hope so. I do too, but I'm not willing to so, say yes or no to that. I don't know. That's it. It, it might be a while. So what? What is like an honest uh, record? I guess for the for the Reds this year. I want call us back next week, and we'll be better equipped to handle that than we are right now. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, guys. I appreciate All right. it. Hey, thank you, Jake. We are at the bottom of the hour. We still have Perry from Yellow Springs and Tim from downtown Cincinnati waiting, and we'll get to those, and we hope more, uh, when we return on the Red Hot Stove League from Goodyear, Arizona. Be a part of all the Major League action in 2017 with the Reds Pick 6 plan presented by McDonald's. Pick any six Reds home games, including the Cubs, Indians, Yankees, Red Sox, and receive an exclusive Eric Davis 30-30 dual bobblehead. Plus, you'll save up to 25% off regular tickets and get six free McDonald's extra value meals. Purchase now at Reds.com slash pick six. With Jeff Brantley, I'm Marty Brenneman, and you're dialed into the Reds Hot Stove League from Goodyear Ballpark in Arizona. We go to back to the phones, and in Yellow Springs, Ohio, thanks for waiting. Perry, you're on the air. And thank you for uh, taking my call. Uh, uh, first, I'll report I am a veteran listener since I have been listening uh, since Roger Baker and Dick Bray did the radio broadcasts. Boy, oh, wow. boy, Perry, you go way back. <laughs> way, way back, and uh, sometimes crash into the wall. But wow, anyway, okay. I, my, I just want to ask uh, you two to uh, give me your own scouting reports based on what you've seen uh, this spring training about our just our second baseman and our third baseman. And I would like to hear what you have seen about their hitting, their fielding, their bunting, and their speed. Thank you very much. I'll hang up and listen to your answer. Thank you, Perry. Well, Perry, I, I'm really impressed by what we've seen from Jose Peraza and I would I would venture to say that we have seen more from Peraza than what we really or what the Reds really thought that they were going to get uh, I, I think he's a I think he's a superstar in the making I think he's going to be a very good ball player and I think what we've seen from a Eugenio Suarez here in spring training he showed some great power not just from what we saw last year where it was pull power, but the ability to hit the ball out 
to right center. And I think when Suarez is on his game that way, when he's staying inside the ball and has the ability to drive the ball the other way with that approach, I think it really helps him at third base in the field because he's not so worried about swinging the bat and it, and it gives an added bit of confidence. And now that, that Suarez is in his mind dialed in at being a third baseman, I just think he is going to play better. We've seen it this spring. We've seen a confident kid, and you're not going to get a better kid than a Eugenio Suarez. I, I'll, he's preaching to the choir. I couldn't agree with any, uh, disagree with anything Jeff said about Jose Peraz at second and about a Eugenio Suarez at uh, third base. Let's go to downtown Cincinnati and Tim. Yes. Yeah, what's up, guys? What's up, guys? Uh, the first question. I got two questions. Then I'll hang up. Uh, you know, I, when the season's you know is getting started, uh, I watch old Reds games. The last time we won a playoff series, uh, the closer was the Cowboy. Uh, I just want to know his uh, range of emotions in Game Two when uh, he's a closer, gives up a two-run jack, then uh, buckles down, gets the last two outs, saves the game. And then uh, the second thing is, uh, I mean, the, the three spots in the rotation—it's it, got to be Reed, Stevenson, and Garrett. I mean, uh, then you have Romano. And Davis next up. And if Stevenson doesn't work out as a starter, you you got to put him as a closer and just let him let him throw 95, 97. And, and walk the ballpark. Yeah, I know I know he's got control issues, but, I mean, uh, you know, he, he, he's, he's turning it around. I mean, he looked good this spring. I mean, you can't really say any of them has had a bad spring, except, I mean, maybe Adelman. He hit a double the other day, but that's about it. But thank you, guys. I'll let you talk. See you. All right. Thanks, Timmy. Yeah, I've been impressed by by some of the young pitchers, and, and not only from the stuff that we've seen, but just the moxie on the mound and, and their their just refusal to, to back away from some of the big league hitters. There, there are a lot of these kids, Garrett, uh, Romano, Barrett Aston is one of those guys. Uh, they're not so worried about the names on the back of the jerseys. They just come to be able to pitch. They, they, they seem to me like, they feel like they belong in the big leagues. And those are the types of players that I want to see on the field. I want guys that are aggressive, uh, that are taking the fight to the other team and, and not backing away and trying to pitch right here on the edge or, or maybe trying to just foul everything off. I, I want guys that come out and play and play hard, and we're starting to see that with some of this younger group. All right, now talk about that relief appearance. So you gave up a two-run jack and then settled down to get the two outs. Eric Karros, we had, we had two outs, and Eric Karros hit a, hit a two-run home run out of left field. But we had a three-run lead. And if, if it had been a different type of situation, I would, have, I would have pitched Karros totally different. But with a three-run lead, I didn't care if he hit it to the moon. It was only two runs. And those are the kinds of things. That's how I used to pitch. I didn't care. All I wanted to do was end the ball game with us winning the game. And and I was not about to walk the guy right. and bring the tying run to the play. There you go, Timmy. That's an answer from the guy himself. We've got callers still standing by. Believe me, we'll get to you, but we invite you to dial us up too. 749-7000-1-800-843-2441. Back with more of your calls and hopefully some intelligent answers on the Red Hot Stove League. Fast-moving, award-winning Red Hot Stove League program from Goodyear Ballpark in Goodyear, Arizona. We appreciate all you folks who have taken the time to dial us up tonight. No more 
an appreciation could we extend and to the guy we've got standing by from the great state, the volunteer state in Tennessee. Josh, you're on the hot stove league. Hey, thanks for taking my call, Marty. I actually have a question for each of you. Uh, Marty, with all the years that um, you've been broadcasting now, I, I, and I've thought about this question. I've wanted to ask you for a long time. Of all the Reds pitchers you've seen, if it was game seven of the World Series and you had to pick one to pitch it, who would it be and why? Uh, that's, a, that's a very good question. Uh, I, I'd be inclined to probably name a couple of guys. Uh, I'd probably name Tom Seaver, who was with the club for three-plus years. And I tell you, I would probably put Mario Soto in that group. I mean, you talk about a great pitcher on some horrifically bad Cincinnati ball clubs. And some of the games that he pitched, he'd lose 2-1 to one in a complete game and strike out 15. Um, I, I, I'd have to think more about it, but the, those are the two names that immediately come to mind. Oh, that, thank you. Um, and, uh, Jeff, the question I, ha- I have for you is um, oftentimes, you know, you'll see it, uh, when a pitcher's being took out of the game, you know, he, he pitched his guts out, and, and uh, it's the seventh or eighth inning, and, and um, he's walking off the field, and, and he'll get a standing ovation. And oftentimes he won't even acknowledge the crowd. He won't tip his cap. Matter of fact, it, it's more often than not um, he, he doesn't even uh, – bring his, his fingers up to his cap anymore. And I was wondering why that is. And I know it, I understand you're upset because the manager took you out or you, or you didn't get the last out or whatever, but why, why not uh, recognize the ovation that the crowd's giving you? I, I think it has a lot more to do with personality than it does to, to do with being upset about coming out of the ball game. You, you have to understand not every player is, is the type of player that, that wants all the attention and, and the rah-rah and jump up in the air and look at me. There are a lot of guys, and more guys than not, that play in the big leagues, that when they come off the mound and they're getting a standing ovation, it is quite the humbling experience. And a lot of them just don't know or don't feel comfortable tipping their hat because it, it's kind of like look at me situation. So they just – kind of acknowledge it with their eyes, and they just keep right on going with their head down and into the dugout. I don't think it's ever meant as a disservice to the folks that are cheering for them. I think it just has to do with the personality of the the kid that's walking off the mound, and he gets a standing ovation, and and it's a very humbling experience. Okay. Well, thank you all, and thank you for taking my call. All right, Josh, thanks for your call. Let's go to Oakley. And, Bert, you're on the Red Side Stove League. Hey, Marty. Hey, uh, Cowboy. How we doing, Bert? I, I am so pumped up for the baseball season to start. I am, certainly hope uh, Bronson makes a, the squad. I enjoy watching him pitch with his 87-mile-an-hour fastball and throwing that junk up there and baffling the hitters. But what I want to ask both of you, if you could just briefly uh, regale us with your favorite or most memorable or exciting, humorous, hit-by-pitch incident. I'm going to hang up and listen to you guys. Thanks. My most humorous hit-by-pitch incident was uh, getting hit in the, in the ribs of a foul ball off the bat of Roberto Kelly doing a game on television one time uh, with Chris Welsh at uh, Shea Stadium in New York. Uh, and, I mean, it was it was a screamer coming back into the re- in the television booth. 
And I knew I couldn't get away from it, so I turned to my left, and the ball hit me in the rib cage, and it it it, it took my damn breath away. It hurt so bad. And uh, Chris Welsh was in the floor laughing, and Joe was in the other booth, and he was crying. He was laughing so hard. He said, now you know how it feels. After all these years, now you have an idea. And I had the imprint of the ball, the stitches on my right rib cage, and a great, great uh, bruise. And and uh, Roberto Ke- Kelly was traded about four days after that. So I tell people I had something to do with that because he had <laughs> I would say my most memorable hit-by-pitch was uh, Benito Santiago. And this has been years and years ago. He was catching in San Diego. And I can remember the at-bat, a couple of pitches that were on the outside corner, and one of them was even off. And he was really diving out over the plate. And so after I got, after the first two pitches, it was 0-2. And I decided, all right, well, I'm going to stop him from diving out over the plate. So I threw the ball in. And the ball was really about, I'd say probably wrist, you know, chest high on the inside part of the plate. And as he dove over the plate thinking it was going to be outside, he realized that the ball was going to hit him. And he put up his left arm and it hit him in the wrist. He went on down to first base and everybody thought, well, you're trying to knock him down 0-2. When you look back at the tape, it was not even close to him. He's the one that dove into the ball. Well, ultimately, it ended up breaking his left arm, and he was out for the rest of the season. And then it was not even, I guess, probably about 10 days later, we were on the All-Star team together, and my locker was right next to his in the National League locker room. That that was played at, at, at Wrigley. And looking at that cast on his wrist and him looking at me, uh, not a real good place for us to have our lockers at that moment. Bert, we appreciate your call. Uh, we've still got Dick and Mike and Tom standing by, and we've got time to take them all. And we'll do just that when we continue with the Red Sox Stove League from Arizona. we got about five minutes left on this edition of the Red Sox Stove League. We've got five callers still remaining, so we're going to do this rapidly. And uh, don't be long-winded. If you've got a question, answer it, and we'll try and answer it rather quickly first. To Dayton and Dick, you're on the air. Hey, Marty. Hey, Jeff. Come on, what, what's your question, Dick? We're trying to get through all these Okay, I just wanted to tell you, you know, I'll be listening to you, and I'll listen to the, uh, you know, Fox Sports Radio. You guys are great, and I think we're going to have one heck of a season, buddy. Well, we hope so, pal. Thanks for your call. I did not know that we were on Fox Sports Radio. Union, Kentucky, Mike, you're on the air. Thank you for taking my call, guys. Uh, we talked about the, You talked about this earlier, but I was curious, who would you say are the – Four, top three or four guys most likely to make the fill those last three uh, spots in the rotation? Well, you've got Romano, you've got Garrett, you've got Reed. You'd like for Arroyo to be in that bunch. I don't know where Arroyo is uh, as far as getting stretched out enough to be able to, to be ready on opening day. I do believe that Bronson Arroyo will be starting for the Reds this year, and I think that's a great thing. Uh, but you've got some young guys there. Uh, Stevenson has thrown the ball very well here lately, but I think he's probably bullpen bound at the moment because of how well Reed and Romano and Amir Garrett have thrown the baseball. And don't don't sell short on Davis. Thank you. All right, right. thanks for your call. We appreciate it. And let's go to uh, Fairfield. Tom, you're on the air. Marty, Jeff. Hey, Tom. 
You two guys are great. Thank you. What's your question, Tom? We're trying to get everybody on the air here. I haven't got a question, but oh, I okay. sure miss the left-hander. Yeah, well, you know what? We think about him every day when the baseball something always happens during the season and make us think of him. Yes, we do. Right. Also, what made me think of it, you remember the saying you and him had together, he sure can drive. Yeah, that, that's a punchline on a great joke. <laughs> <laughs> that Thanks, a, Marty. Thanks, all Jeff. Right. All right, Tom. Thanks for checking in with us. Anderson Township, one of my homeboys. Cliff, you're on the air. Yeah, Marty, uh, I would really like to see if we could, uh, in the newspaper, have a 30-game review of our division. Uh, the first 30 games compared to the first 30 games last year and go on every 30 games after that through the season to be able to compare this year with last year. I know if if you're for that, you could get it done. I know it's not in your field, but you can make a move. Now, one more thing. I would like to know, uh, you and uh, Jeff always talk about the outside corner, of which there isn't any, but uh, I know what you mean, or I think I do. It's a ball that's pitched uh, in the uh, uh, belt high, but going down Sycamore instead of Broadway. Is that correct? <laughs> uh, if, that's, if it's good for you, it's good for us, Cliff. Okay, see what you can do, huh? Yeah, we'll try that, believe me. All right. Thanks for your call, pal. Let's go to Dayton. Joe, you're on the air. Yeah, what's happening with Nick Travieso? Shoulder problem. Now, all spring. All spring, Joe. And he had it he had it last year and evidently it's it's not gotten uh, a whole lot better than than what it was last year and they're hoping with some shots, they've given him some cortisone, some anti-inflammatories, hoping that uh, a series of, of regimens as far as physical work on the shoulder is going to help him a little bit because uh, the last thing that you want to do is, is have surgery on a, on a young kid on his shoulder before his career really even gets kicked off. Yeah. Do you think he's going to be another Ty Howington? Oh, no, I don't think so. No, no. absolutely no, not. This, this kid has got – every ingredient that it takes to pitch up here. He's just got to get himself healthy. Okay, thanks. Uh, We appreciate it. We want to thank everybody who took the time to dial us up tonight and make this hour go by in bang-bang fashion. Uh, We invite you one more time. A week from tonight, we'll be back with our final Red Sox Stove League program before the season opens a week from Monday. Uh, Again, our thanks, and uh, we'll be back on the air tomorrow when the Reds play the Cubs tomorrow night. And then the next Hot Stove League next Tuesday night. Thanks for calling and take care, folks. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story. And one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company. And it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from sky skyrocketing storage costs, and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of 
the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.